Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome in to the DNVR Draft Podcast presented by Illegal Pete's. I'm Henry Chisholm, and I'm joined by Andre Simone. Yes, sir. And Andrew Mason. Hello. And we're going to tell you about a bunch of football players. Um, but first, I want to tell you about this incredible deal, which is that if you go to any Illegal Pete's, you can get a free margarita or a free draft beer if you show them your ticket for an event that same day. You could go to a concert or... A sporting event. I don't know if you could go to like a, a movie and bring it in there. I'm not sure if that mm, counts. Might be pushing. I know it's definitely pushing it. Worth a try though. Worst they can mm. say is no. And it's not like their drinks are that highly priced anyway. So you could buy your own. Um, still a great deal though. Not to take away from the deal. Uh, Illegal Pete's. It's awesome. Definitely check them out. Okay. Um, Better yet, they have locations all over. So you're at a Buffs game. You're at a Rams game. You're at you know any of the many games you could watch in Denver. Boom. You're gonna get comped. It's pretty dope. Anywhere. Yeah. Perfect. It's amazing. It's and outstanding. Tell them about us and you'll get the deal. Um, there you go. Okay. Uh, we want to talk about the combine today. Yeah, Mace will be there, unlike most of the Broncos coaching staff. Interesting. There will be maybe as many media members from the Denver area at this thing as there are uh, Broncos representatives. Nah, nah, there'll be still more Broncos because they have scouts and they have right, medical right. personnel and all that. But still, no coaches from the Broncos. Other than Vic Fangio, the Rams are only sending coordinators. Uh, Sean McVay reportedly is flying in, doing a press conference, and then flying back to L.A. Now, this notion isn't as new as everyone is playing up. The Patriots have done this from time to time over the years. Hmm. But we've talked about it on uh, the DNVR Broncos podcast. We basically did two shows where we kind of— kind of dealt with the fallout of this what you lose is you lose the position coaches lingering around the lobby in the hallways around the indiana convention center in the hotel where the players are staying you lose the chance for kind of extra connection points where you know a coach sees a player that he wants to talk to in the lobby gets like five seven minutes informal to chat with him kind of get a brief feel for his personality. Maybe you get his phone number. Bobby Turner, the longtime running back coach for the Broncos, 
under Mike Shanahan and then for one year under Josh McDaniels before he wisely got out of there. He was great at that, being able to kind of work the room, talk to as many of the running backs as possible, get phone numbers, and then he'd go back to Denver. He'd start really start kind of keeping in touch with those guys. And uh, the Broncos had a lot of success at running back over the years, finding guys in the later rounds, in part because Bobby Turner, he knew what he was looking yeah. for, but he knew how to find ways to learn about these guys' personalities and see if they would be a fit for what he and the Broncos wanted to do. And so you basically have 17 coaches who aren't being there. You lose those boots on the ground. And, yeah, those coaches could watch the film of the 45 formal interviews that you get, but uh, it's it's not quite the same. And, uh, you know, they say they're going to be back in Denver watching tape. I'm sure they are. Nothing wrong with that. You can watch tape any other week. Yeah, I was going to say. This is one week where you have a chance for more in-person, face-to-face connections. You're going to just hope that uh, the scouts over the past few years that they've done their work, you know they have, but at the same time, it's different than when the coaches get a chance to talk to these guys. So I'm surprised. I don't know if it's the wave of the future just yet. You've seen it referred to that way in the media. It's only the wave of the future if it works. Right. Mm, yep. Why would you change anything from the last couple of years if you're the Broncos in the draft process? Because it's worked the last two seasons. You've figured out a formula. You've figured out kind of a template based on experience, leadership for most of your draft picks. Why are you going away from this? It's curious at this time. Yeah, pretty good point. Yeah, pretty, I totally agree. Pretty good point. Uh, coming into this, I was, I was all for it. I was like, you know what? If you can watch the tape, you can see the numbers, then, I mean, why, why not just stay at home? But... Again, having not been there, seeing what's happening, I guess that changes things. You, when when you go watch these guys, I mean, Henry, you cover the buffs. Dre, you were down there in, in Mobile. You see these guys. Even you see them warming up, you notice things. Yeah, yeah. And for the coaches not seeing the workouts, the position coaches, okay, yeah, they're going to see the 40. They're not going to see how the players kind of get loose, get warmed up. You know, are they, you know, are, are they extra cautious are they just going to go out there and wing it you don't get a feel for that that's Mm -hmm. another thing that you miss with the position coaches not being there so yeah i'm i'm skeptical on this i know there are some that are gung-ho and saying oh great i'm skeptical about this and another thing it kind of hurts the coaches maybe career-wise a little bit because Mm -hmm. indianapolis it's basically a coaching and personnel convention Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm You talk with your contemporaries around the league. You get to know people. If you're, say, an offensive assistant, the, basically the, the film cut-up guy or a, you know, or a defensive assistant, if you're a position coach, it's a chance to talk to people you wouldn't ordinarily talk to, perhaps around the league, make some contacts. Maybe a, a chance that sets you up to move up the ladder down yep. the line, and you lose that point. I haven't had a chance to reach out to any of the assistant coaches yet, but I can't imagine that all of them are thrilled about this. Yeah. I think those are all good points. Um, you know who will be there, though? 337 college football players. Did I get that number right, Mace? Yes, you did. Oh, perfect. All and the money. There are 337 players, and there are almost every year 256 draft picks. So I was not yeah. going to remember the second There's number. a discrepancy there. And there are always <laughs> draftees who weren't at the Combine, and we'll get into yeah. some of those guys who could fall into that category here later on. Point being, there's talent to spare. There is talent always. to spare. 
and there's going to be a lot of wide receiver talent to spare. Um, it's crazy. 55, baby. Yeah, 55 receivers. You said 20 got drafted last year? I, I think it was right around 20. And That's they, wild. Jumps up to 30. There, there's going to be a else. lot of guys sent home. One of those guys, Tony Brown, who I covered at Colorado, somebody who I think could be very successful, but mm-hmm. also, I mean, he's, he's probably on the outside looking in right now. Um, he got in. There's some guys who didn't. And I think that's where we want to start off talking through all this um, with the biggest snubs. Um, the guys who probably should have been among those 337 but weren't invited to the combine. Yeah. Dre, who are your biggest snubs? Mm. You know, there's no one glaring. Um, for the people that, that listen to us regularly and send us their mock drafts, I think they'll be surprised to hear Le- Levante Taylor, who's a name mm-hmm. who's been circulating for a few years. Uh, the Florida State defensive back is not going to be there. Um, a guy who I really loved coming into the season, Christian Rector, defensive tackle slash DN from USC. Great length, 275 plus. Uh, his production as a sophomore and junior was outstanding, over 20 tackles for a loss in those two seasons. But really, last year did not have great production. I don't know that he was ever fully healthy. They've gone through so many changes at USC, too. It's just been a rough ride, but. I think his upside is really enticing. I think he'd be a great fit for the Broncos. I talked about him on last week's pod as a guy I really like. I would like for Denver to target in day three. He, to me, is maybe the biggest snub, aside from a couple other uh, Pac-12 quarterbacks like Tyler Huntley and Khalil Tate, who, uh, you know, Mason, Mason and I have been on this. Uh, mm-hmm. who, who's the next Taysom Hill? Th- those could be a couple low-key candidates for you. Yeah, what's interesting, Tyler Huntley's not there. I think he should have been there. Mm-hmm. I was glad to see Malcolm Perry, who was making the transition from yes. quarterback to receiver, get invited, and he's yep. going to work as a receiver. But if I'm a team looking at Malcolm Perry, I want to see him do some quarterback drills. I'm looking at him as somebody who has some Taysom Hill type of characteristics if he gets a shot in that kind of versatile sort of role you know we've talked about some of those hybrid guys those guys you want to have with christian mccaffrey kind of being one of the molds that slot receiver slash Mm -hmm, running back mm -hmm. or uh you know what visca could be um as a almost like kyle use but more receiver than that you know yeah yeah, like all these different hybrid the comps with viscar all over the (laughs) place i tell you what just you know mix kyle use and julio jones and (laughs) there you go right but but yeah we look at those hybrid players but Taysom hill is an interesting hybrid because you can throw him at quarterback and try to use those sub packages do you think that's something that's worth a draft pick to try to add to your offense worth (laughs) a late sixth to seventh round pick if there's a guy that you're sold on and you want to make sure that you don't have competition for him in the undrafted pool, I think you go ahead and pull the trigger on that guy in the seventh round. That's why the Broncos could have two compensatory seventh-round picks at the end of the draft, and that could be really interesting because that's a chance to keep two guys mm-hmm. off the market to say, to say, okay, we just maybe they're not worthy of a seventh-round pick per se if you're – doing the calculus, but we just want to take a flyer. We want to make sure that we get him. We prevent anybody else from doing that. To me, I I think those last two seventh-round picks, you could be looking at that uh, high upside chess piece type, or you could be looking at uh, a punter, perhaps. Yeah, Yeah. and and I think that that's a really good point. 
Um, and it's tough to say who exactly that could be, but you could look back and if, you know, uh, the, I almost said Colorado, if Denver has picks like that a couple years ago, that's what they use on Phil Lindsay. You know, they, they don't let yeah. Phil Lindsay slip and because they almost lost him. That's that's the type of insurance that you have. It was surprising still to me that they looked at that last seventh round pick and had two running backs, Dave Williams and Phil Lindsay, and they thought that Phil was the one that they could roll the dice on yeah. and they picked Dave Williams. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. It all worked out in the end. Also that's Luck well, is involved not, not with for Dave Williams. Not for that's Dave Williams. Some of the oddest tape I've ever watched is David Williams and how he struggled so much to stay on his feet. Like the guy was tripping over invisible lines twenty four seven. But he I was don't a, know how someone could watch his tape f- and be like, Oh, he was a freak athlete, though, right? Like, I mean, yeah, big sure, and strong right, and fast size, and all that but. stuff, but just never really panned out in college football. I could see why if somebody in that building looked at the film and thought, man, if we can get this guy right, he looks a little like Eric Dickerson in that he's got a long stride when he gets into the open field and he's more of an upright runner. But like you mentioned, Dre, you've got to get to that point where you can have that stride, have a positive impact, and when you're tripping over grass when the turf monster is getting you then it's not happening how do you scout that how do you scout that at the combine like will this guy just trip over grass there isn't a drill for that well it's why you need your coaching staff at home watching the tape to find out i guess another uh eric decker we didn't know he was going to trip over grass and (laughs) 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 he did yeah (laughs) with Uh, a local angle since we're talking running backs cameron mayberry the um colorado school of mines star running back other noteworthy uh, snub. Look forward to seeing what he can do at Pro Days because I think uh, I think he'll get some NFL looks for sure. Now he'll probably be at the CU Pro Day, I, I yes. imagine, because CU has a nice habit of mm-hmm. inviting players from the smaller schools mm-hmm. in the region, so we'll probably see him there. Uh, Reggie Corbin from Illinois is a guy I'm surprised it didn't get the call. Yeah, eight point five yards per carry back in twenty eighteen was off a little bit last year. The question, I think, a big question on him is whether he can develop as a receiving back. But very elusive, very good at mm-hmm. making people miss. I'm surprised that he's uh, not on the list coming out here for the combine. Yeah, lots of talent, especially on those offensive skill positions. That's kind of what we've what have dominated our snubs here. They have, but also offensive line. Mm-hmm. It's a deep position. A guy I loved down at the Shrine game was Kevin Dotson from Louisiana Lafayette, and he was just pushing people yeah. out of the way. Strong, strong at the snap, quick at the snap, good, you know, road grader type, driving people forward, driving people off the line. I think he projects a fourth or fifth round pick, and he's not even in the combine. This happens every year, though. Oh yeah, that we t- that a guy ends up being picked. Sometimes as soon as the fourth, usually in the fifth round, mm-hmm. that's where you start seeing those guys who were snubs. I think Shaq Mason, who's had a very solid yes, career for the, the Patriots. Georgia Tech guard. Yeah. He w- I remember when he came out, not seeing him on the combine list and being mm-hmm. shocked, and I kind of feel the same way about Kevin Dotson. So maybe he'll have the same kind of career Shaq Mason has. Dotson's at the top of most people's list when you look at the snubs from the combine. Bryce Sterk, the mm-hmm. f- uh, Montana State defensive end yeah eh. lots of hype about him <laughs> eh, eh. I know, he's, not a, he's not a grizz he's not a grizz no he very much um, is not but yeah former um highly touted recruit i believe to washington who didn't make the cut so there's a lot of talent on these snub lists yeah. a lot of talent uh, before we go i want to mention kendall hinton and receiver out of wake forest who really emerged down the stretch late last year last three games was averaging north of 100 yards had a touchdown in each game Tur- really 
invisible for most of his time mm-hmm. at Wake Forest. Really got going this past past season as they open up the offense. I was surprised he didn't get invite as well, but uh, he'll end up he'll end up as a priority free agent at least, maybe even sneak in around seven. Yeah, so many wide receivers. It's tough to fit them all in for sure. Really is tough. Um, let's move on to people who are actually going to be in Indianapolis. Let's like do it. Mace. Um, let's start with the players who have the most to gain over the course of the combine. Uh, Dre, you want to kick it off? <sighs> At quarterback, there's a you know the I think the low hanging fruit would be Herbert or Love. The more I thought about it, the more I thought you know who I think has the most to gain is Jacob Eason. Throw, you know, throwing in shorts, yeah. no pads or anything. He's a guy who's going to impress you when all you're doing is throwing to a wide, you know, wide open defender in drills. That's the book on him. Yep. And I, I think he'll measure in, you know, good size and all that. So I think he's got the most to gain for sure. Easton's a good choice. The problem is the team that falls in love with him based on the film, they're going to have to reconcile that or based on the workout, if he has a right. good workout, my, right. pardon me, they're going to have to reconcile that with some really bad film at times. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to have a horror show, watch some of his throws against Oregon State. Yeah. Woof. Yeah. Locking in, locking in on receivers, making it easy mm-hmm. for corners to react. I mean, it's there's a very basic elemental thing that you see that with Jacob Eason that's wrong and that he just stares down his receivers way too often. He doesn't mask his intent very well. I am baffled, even though I know he's got the strong arm and I know he's tall and I don't value height like a lot of other people when it comes to the quarterback position. I'll acknowledge that. But I'm baffled that I'm seeing a lot of mocks and a lot of people that have him graded ahead of Jake Fromm. (laughs) Jake Fromm beat him out for a reason. (laughs) Yep. Right. As much as I'm not a fan of Jake Fromm, you got a point there. (laughs) Well, most of these mocks are sending him to your Tampa Bay Bucks at 14. That's frightening to me. (laughs) I mean, I I guess that's where you say, okay, we got to trust Bruce Arians. Right. But there's always one quarterback that I'm just like, do not want every Mm -hmm. year. I'll admit Paxton Lynch was not that quarterback. Hmm. That was a miss. I I, I was actually okay with him value-wise yeah, yeah. where the Broncos picked him. Yeah, Again, absolutely. we all have misses. Yep, you bet. We were actually talking about some of our misses today on the DMVR Broncos podcast. I talked about Aaron Curry. Oh, oh yeah. Man. I loved him coming out of Wake Forest back in 09. Yeah, you bet. Ugh, man. That I'm, was a tough top 10, too. Yeah. Yes, it was. But, you know... I, in 2016, for example, I hated Christian Hackenberg. Mm-hmm. And not personally, mm-hmm. I just hated his film. Yeah, totally. Hated his feel. How could you not? In 2014, couldn't stand uh, watching Blake Bortles. Mm. I have the same kind of feelings about Jacob Eason. That's the guy of this quarterback class, the guy that I just say, no, I, I can't see it with him. And talking to Pac-12 coaches, I mean, they, they see the same thing. When, when they're watching his tape, they say... Yeah. I bet we could confuse this guy. Right. I, I, I right. bet there's. I bet there's a way to uh, get him to show us exactly what he's doing. Get a couple takeaways, and we saw that some of them were very successful doing mm-hmm. exactly that. He's he's not somebody who's going to be able to run a complex scheme. Um, you know, yeah. it's it's. I'm I'm not high on him either. I I don't think any of us are. Maybe a more strong guard, Mason Rudolph, some something mm. like that. Okay. But you know, a first read quarterback where it's like, eh. yep. At hype most. doesn't match, right? Right. The First hype doesn't. Most. Right. The hype just doesn't match uh, what you're getting on the field. Exactly. I think my most to gain, and I'm gonna, 
I'm going to say Visca because I need to pick Visca for one of these. I, I think it's got to be right here. Um, you start with the medicals, obviously. Yeah. Uh, there's the story came out about he has like the groin inflammation that's been plaguing him. Oh is, boy. is that a problem that's going forward? It sounds yeah. like that's been the thing. Um, is that real? What was happening all season? Is he actually healthy? All of those questions we're going to get answers to. If the answer to those is, huh, looks fine, then he could gain so much. Plus, these rumors about him running a 4-3-40, they're only getting bigger. And I think from what I'm hearing is that he could get below 4-4. Wow. The 40 for the receivers next Thursday night. Massive. Must-see television yeah. for the draft prep process if that has ever existed. This yeah. is LaVisca, Henry Ruggs, these guys. This is why it's in prime time. Mm-hmm. Yep. The receivers running the 40. Yes, this is it right here. There's a, and and they're they're giving them Thursday night. Thursday of those nights, the most watched night television wise. Thursday night, like just traditionally in general. There's a reason why quarterbacks, running backs and receivers are leading this thing yep. off. And LaVisca is going to be fascinating. Obby, I, I don't think Henry Ruggs has as much to gain because it seems like he's gained yep. an awful yes. lot. Yep. What yes. he can do is cement himself. It mm-hmm. is legit. Mm-hmm. There is fire to the smoke that Henry Ruggs is going to be the first receiver off the board. And if he runs the 40 that some people are expecting. I saw someone projecting a 4-1-8. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> yeah. what's, the, gonna, what's the record? 4-2-2? Yeah, so. it's yeah. Uh, John Ross, 4-2-2, I think, is on the dot. In yeah. kind of the modern combine era. Yes, yes. Yeah. I would say, I don't know if he sets the record, but his film is so much better than that of John Ross coming out. Oh, that yeah. If Henry mm-hmm. Ruggs runs a 4-2-5, yep. then I don't think he's going to last to the Broncos at 15. Oh, definitely. I, I don't think he'll last to the Raiders at 12 if he does that. Raiders might trade up. But you're right, though. He is a Raider type of player. That that is the Al (laughs) Davis Memorial Memorial pick. Just this guy has got Mm -hmm. speed. Let's take Mm -hmm. him. Vertical speed. Here, here. But that's the thing. All these guys in the most to gain category could vary. They're they're almost like the runners up to the most to lose. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's a volatile stocks we're talking about here. Like if you're Visca, you have to show you're a freak because that's part of what's getting you rated so highly is that you're a freak. If you're rugs, you gotta run really high. Exactly. If you're Eason, you gotta show you've got a cannon. But what's most important for Visca, even if he he does do well in the forty, this is medical. It's medicals, baby. Nine mm-hmm. out of ten people, scouts coaches that are at the combine if you ask them what is the most important part of this weekend it's medical mm-hmm. yep and when you've had a history of injuries and now you're dealing with ostatitis pubis i hate saying that that just <laughs> i sounds know i really didn't awful. like that you did i specifically didn't yeah. mostly because i couldn't remember but <laughs> when i heard it again it brought back memories <laughs> poor guy <laughs> That's all I can say. Man. Yeah. Oh, that's rough. Boy, would you that hate to have rough. that label. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Henry Ruggs, he, he was my, I mean, we're about to get there. He has the most to lose to me just because it mm-hmm. seems like the the widely held opinion is that he will set the record or at least come within a couple right. hundreds. Like, could he be the first guy to run a 4-3-8 and we're like, well, he's a bust. Yep. Like, <laughs> can't even run a 4-2. Like, come he on. He just lost himself millions yeah, of dollars over. by running a 4-3-8. <laughs> right. Like, um, wow. Yeah, speaking of medicals. Jalen Rager has okay. a lot to gain. I want to get yeah. to him real quick. Yeah, there you go. 
he's another vertical speed guy, but he also could be somebody who has a 40 that is in that 4-3, range. And if he does that, I think we go from talking about him as a second rounder, someone who could be there if the Broncos go in the direction of, say, the offensive line with pick 15 to somebody who is in round one. And yep. if that's the case, if Rager's off the board, if you know Rager's off the board, it sort of changes, I think, what the Broncos have to be thinking of in terms of pick 15 because if you're going to get that vertical speed guy, you may not be able to wait until round two. You may have to pounce in round one. And then round two, maybe you're going offensive line, but at that point may not be straight-up tackle. It may be going for an interior yeah. guy like Lloyd Cushenberry or Tyler Biotish. And I would be, su- yeah. I would not be surprised, by the way, guys, if round one is speed receiver, rugs, Jerry Judy, who has speed. Yeah, we don't yeah, talk about yeah, his speed, yeah. but he has it. More than enough. Right. And then round two is a plug-and-play interior O-lineman like Biotis or Cushenberry. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, Cesar Ruiz, too. Yep, love Cesar Ruiz coming along um, in my rankings. Denzel Mims, I think, the former track star, I think he's quietly got a bunch to gain as well. Hmm. Um, I think he's a guy who checks off a lot of boxes on tape. He's got the measurables. He confirmed that at the the combine at the senior bowl, makes some of the more spectacular catches in this entire draft class. And then on top of that, you have potential track speed. This is a guy who, if he really runs fairly fast, uh, I think he could be in that round one conversation as I'm, well. I'm glad you pointed him out because I was talking with a couple of people this week about Mims in particular. And if he puts the numbers up there that match what we saw from him yeah. and what's on film as well, he's got good film, then he pops into the round one conversation as well. The thing that I love when I went back and watched some of the Denzel Denzel Mims film, he has ex- amazing body control oh. and a great ability to adjust to the ball in flight. Oh. Remember, we've talked about Noah Fant over the last few months mm-hmm. and... There's an issue with him adjusting the ball in flight. I yeah. think he's going to get better at that, but it's just something that has taken some time. Denzel Mims is kind of the opposite of that. He's great at adjusting to and judging the ball as it's on his way to him. He's an acrobat. It's really yeah. outstanding. He's a joy to watch when he does that kind of stuff. Yeah, and and then you can keep going from there. I mean, Brandon Ayuk, he's a guy who could run mm-hmm. himself into the first round. Just- I think he might be a most-to-lose type category, mm-hmm. though. Mm-hmm. Because he, he, he's a guy, people are going to cool if he runs a 4-5. Especially because of the way that some of these other speed receivers are going to run. Yep. They're yep. going to see these 4-2s and 4-3s right. and be like, he's a speed guy? Right. right. Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. Right. Like, oh, I'm drafting this raw route running guy, yak ability guy who runs a 4-5. Like, eh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Justin Jefferson is one that I'm really curious yep. about as well. My first mock, I had him going to Green Bay. Yeah. And I think Green Bay does go wide receiver, preferably plug and play at number 30. But he needs a, com- a good combine to kind of match up. The film, the, the film is there. There is going to be the question of how much of a, was he a product of Joe Burrow this past year, although he was a good receiver even before then. So mm-hmm. I'm not really too concerned about that. But... Jefferson is somebody that if he doesn't have wow numbers, he runs the risk of getting lost in the shuffle in this deep receiver class. The flip side of that is he ends up being great value if he if he slips to, say, pick 45 or pick 50. You're getting a guy who's a first rounder most years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So some of the guys who fall, they may fall in the draft, but they may also fall into perfect situations for them and then they can kind of quickly make it back up and then 
by the time they get to their fifth year, they're cashing in. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, this receiver class is fascinating. It's fun. Fascinating. You, the you, combine's going to be, as, as you put it, Mace, it's must-watch TV. It's going to be extraordinary. You know what else is fascinating? Lay it on me. The Colorado Core oh, from Breckenridge <laughs> Brewery. Because what even is it? Is it a cider? I know. Is it a beer? Is it champagne? It's the champagne of ciders and beers. Oh, wait, there you, you can't say the champagne of beers. <laughs> no, that's taken. Somebody else has that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> we still sometimes call the it The champagne that. of ciders, though. That sounds good. It, it's uh, effervescent. If you're having a mm. tough day oh. and you need to kind of lighten, lighten and liven things up, yes. go to your fridge and pick up Colorado Core because if you've been smart, you've gotten some from the store. I've got some in my basement fridge. I always make sure I'm in stock with Colorado Core. So you, you keep it in the basement fridge? Yes. Why is that? It's closer to my office. Ah, <laughs> perfect. Do you I keep work like, a lot of late. Strawberry Sky in like a separate fridge, or is that also? No, everything I need late at night when I'm working is there. And sometimes, mm. whether it's a Colorado Core, Strawberry Sky, or I'm going to make myself a cocktail. So I've got Moscow Mule is my preferred cocktail. Oh. So I've always got some ginger beer, a couple oh. of different kinds of vodka. That sounds you know. amazing. How do you know where to go to uh, stock up on your Colorado Core? I go to the Breck Brew Finder. Do you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. You and got it's to. all right there. We were actually talking uh, today on the DMVR Broncos podcast about some, someone was saying in Seattle talking about being able to get Brick Brews there. And so I did a check and found that from where I lived in Seattle near downtown, I had plenty of places where I could get Brick Brews within walking distance. So if I still lived there, I would be in very good shape to satisfy <laughs> my Breck Beautiful. Fix, even though... Seattle is a mecca of craft beers. You can still get your Breck Brew from Colorado. You can still represent even if you're in Seattle. Because Coloradans make better beer anyway. Um, so it's go- the water, right? Yeah, yeah. it's the water. It's in the water. It's true. It's like, the, <laughs> it's like pizza in New York. It's in the water. It's in the exactly. Water. Yep. The bagels. Yep. You guys should all be checking out Breckenridge Beers. You can do that by going to the Breckenridge Brewery website, which has the beer locator. It'll tell you exactly where to go. Um, also, uh, if you're thirsty for something that maybe is more of a daytime drink. What should you drink, Dre? Oh, man, you're, you've stumped me. On the spot. Oh, come on. <laughs> maybe, what's, the, what's the other drink? Maybe something that picks you up but doesn't give you those terrible caffeine jitters. Mm. And also, Dre, if you have IBS. Oh, yeah, and maybe it's uh, got CBD in it, which I remind you is non... Psychoactive. Psychoactive. Weird word to me still. Boy, it sounds like some Strava Craft would be the perfect midday drink. Exactly. Exactly. That's what we're going for. It's Strava Craft coffee. It'll fix whatever your ailment is, even if you're just like a little bit sleepy. Uh, It doesn't give you the jitters. It's good coffee. And if you use the code DNVR2019, when you order online, they'll ship it straight to your door and give you 20% off. So you might as well try it instead of going to the store and buying your own coffee. Okay. uh, Football? Want to talk about some football? Yes, please. More football. Yeah. (laughs) This is the triple header for me today, guys, because I did the DNVR podcast in the morning. I'm here with you guys this afternoon. Tonight, I pop on with Ryan Edwards and Benjamin Albright on KOA for my weekly hit wow. on Broncos country tonight. Wow. Three shows one day. That's a lot. Well, I mean, I'm going to be all talked out. My wife's going to get home and she'll be like, hey, how was your day? I don't feel like talking. I don't have <laughs> so many words in me over the course of a day. You want to know about my day? Click on these links. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Check this tweet out. Yeah. Okay. So we kind of touched on this, but most to lose. Let's, let's get through this quickly. A, a, a lot of the <sighs> names we mentioned. Uh, this is where the guys who've been at the top of a lot of boards 
there's kind of nowhere to go but down, right? So Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, to some extent, he's I, locked in. Big week for Tua. Big, big week for Tua. Yeah. These medicals are key. I expect to hear varying things because some team's doctors are going to find things in Tua that other team doctors find but aren't nearly as concerned about. So we're going to have varying reports, and you know this could really make or break him. He could be a top three pick by the end of next week. He could be available by the Broncos pick at the end of the next week because it depends so much on how those medicals check out. That would be so tempting. And you know you have Drew Locke, yeah. but if he's in a situation where he has to sit out a year, <sighs> give Drew Locke a year and move Tua then if you're happy with Drew. Move Drew if you want to try Tua. Keep them both. I mean, we... We debated this exact topic very early in the year. We did. When Locke had not played yet. Exactly. And I think we both had like two quarterbacks we would have taken regardless of Locke. And Tua was I the think, one we were unanimous I on. I think I also threw Jalen Hurts in there, which that did not age well. No. Um, <laughs> I forget if I had Burrow or not. I, yeah, I think we... Who knows? We'll yeah. have to go back to listen. We, we'll have to. So I think Tua, I think the list kind of starts with Tua there on the most to lose. I agree. I can't disagree with you on Tua yeah. having a lot to lose. Um, I think Jake Fromm has something to lose as well. Mm-hmm. Even though I think he'll do well in the interviews, what you want to see is how his arm talent matches up to those yeah. and that are around him. And yet it's there on the film, but the one thing that you like about the Combine is that you see these guys back to back to back to back. So you have mm-hmm. like a nice comparison Mm -hmm. that's what i love about the senior bowl and the shrine game is seeing one guy go up and the next guy go up and next guy go up and then you kind of get a good chance to kind of compare and contrast so let's say you see jordan love throw and he's got some nice arm talent then you see jake Fromm throw and what if he doesn't match up that's something that could concern you a little bit it's not a question of whether jake Fromm can learn an offense i think when he does the whiteboard stuff he's going to nail it the other interesting thing we talk about guys who have a lot to lose at the quarterback position you can lose a lot in the interviews. Yeah. You can lose a lot at the whiteboard. And I think Jordan Love has to nail that. Oh, big time. That's huge for him. Oh, big time. Being able to show that he can mm-hmm. understand a complex offense. I'm not worried about Tua. I'm not worried about uh, Joe Burrow. Yeah. Based on the schemes that they, they come out of. You start getting worried about the guys that come from out of schemes that are a little more simple, less analogous to mm-hmm. what you're doing in the pros. And that's why for Jordan Love, for example, it's, it's something that he's going to have to nail. I think the Senior Bowl week certainly helped him out in that regard. Yeah. He's got to take it to the next level. Uh, from before he even steps on the field, the measurements will be huge for him. Yep. That could knock him down a peg. And we haven't talked about Montez. I'd say he's in the most to gain category. Yep. This sets up nicely for him, similar to Eason. Um, boy, the wide receivers will be interesting. We talked about all the guys who have so much to gain. C.D. Lamb, you know, how's he measure in? Does he measure in 6'2", 6'3"? Does he measure in just 6'1", and all of a sudden people simmer? Because then he's not one of the fastest guys, but he's not one of the bigger guys. So all of a sudden, eh, I think the same thing could happen to Judy. I've been saying this for months. I really think this is the part of the year where we start to overthink things and start to, you know, oh, well, he doesn't have elite size. He doesn't have elite speed. He's got a few drops on tape. He was in a prolific offense, you know, and and all of a sudden Judy isn't the top wide receiver anymore. I really think Lamb and Judy, plenty to lose, not that much to gain. Yep. I think those are some good names. Um, let's move along 
to your guys' biggest predicted riser. So if you had to choose somebody who's going to like climb up draft boards based on the combine, who would you put money on? Ooh. Werfs. Uh, let's let's okay. nail the first name, the, the, the interesting names for the Broncos. I think Werfs, this is really his time to shine. There's a lot of high upside offensive tackles in this class who have plenty to lose. Isaiah Wilson, Austin Jackson, Mekhi Becton. I really think Werfs, though, I think he'll nail it. Um, comes from Iowa, very well schooled. He's not a guy who's only been in one stance in an air raid like so many of these guys. Uh, plenty of athletic upside, great size. I really think he'll he'll come out of this as one of the big winners. I think Werfs can has a lot, but I'm also going to say Josh Jones mm, yep. out of Houston yep. as well. I, I'm not sold on him as a mid-first rounder, as some are, but... Yeah. Uh, what if he comes out there and absolutely nails the mm-hmm. athletic testing? Mm-hmm. And it's possible he could. Just the build, the build that he has, the length, the length that he has, the power that he's shown at times. Yeah. It's very conducive to having a big week. And the thing I went back to is I went back and rewatched him at the Senior Bowl, and I know you've watched the film as as well, Dre. He got better every day. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because we came some, out of day one, it was like, eh, okay. I was lukewarm on Josh uh-huh. Jones day one. After, uh-huh. When I left Mobile, I was sold yeah. on him as at least a late first rounder. Yeah. Now, Mel Kuyper Jr. suggested Josh Jones to the Broncos at 15. Crazy. If that's the case, if Josh Jones is your guy, try to pick up an extra second round pick and move down 10, 10 slots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a better way to go about it. Unless Jones nails the athletic testing at the combine. If he does that, you may have to pick him at 15. Yeah. What about Mekhi Becton? That was going to be the Let's, name that I wanted to throw out there. Oh, man. So He's big, so, so fast. tough to gauge. I, I keep thinking back to what Orlando Brown did a couple of years ago. Now, I don't think he'll be a disaster like Brown was. I just think it's hard for a guy who's 350-plus to test well in a combine setting. I think it is as well because like you look at him and you look at his size. What if he goes up there and has just an okay bench press? 25 right. reps. Right. The perf- 25 is perfectly fine. Yeah, for someone with it, freakishly long arms. Right. Is, yeah. when, you, when you look at that number, you'd say, okay, great. He met the, met the baseline. And remember, teams operate with baselines mm-hmm. on guys. It's not like they say, oh, wow, he got 37 reps. Now we're going to consider him. They just say, okay, if you hit that baseline, you're good. But right. the problem is... The expectation, I think, in the public for Mekhi Becton is someone at his size throwing up some ungodly number on the bench, and I don't think that's going to be the case. Mm. Nope, nope, nope. Rarely happens that way. Usually the bigger guys are the ones who disappoint you because those long arms just make it hard to, you know, if you have shorter arms and you're 300, then you can pump them out real quick. It's bigger and compact guys Mm -hmm. that do well. The ones Mm -hmm. that usually it's, it's... either somebody who's just like a, a bodybuilder type yeah. or somebody who's kind of squat and has that center of gravity. Yep. I think it was Vita Vea a couple of years ago yeah. who had that right. he had a huge number. He was built perfectly for the bench. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll throw another name out there. It's a name that we've talked about a lot, but Davion Taylor. Mm. Um, just a few Dude. days ago. Great call. Um, a reporter from the NFL Network threw out film of the Oregon game yeah. when Davion Taylor ran down Oregon running back C.J. Verdell and Burdell had a 10-yard head start mm-hmm. in open field. Mm-hmm. Davion Taylor, is a, he was an all-pack 12, 100-meter dash sprinter, and he's playing linebacker. Yeah. Yeah, and Taylor, you know, Verdell's running to the left side off the left tackle. 
Taylor's coming from the tight end side. And he's so tied he's running up, too. across mm-hmm. the field and run, running after one of a, a running back who some have mocked in in the first round for their 2021 mocks. Um, so, yeah, he's impressive. He is perfect for the combine. Yep. He's another guy who this sets up perfectly. Then again, he has to show up because if he doesn't, you know, the weight of expectations will be felt for a lot of these guys. I want to talk about another linebacker, and that's uh, Marcus Bailey out of Purdue. Oh, yeah. And when oh, he's yeah, played, the film is great. Yeah. This dude just can't stay healthy. And so what he's got to nail, it's beyond his control. He's got to nail the medical. Yep. Everything's got to check out. He's had two ACLs to this point. So, Bailey, you're talking about as a day three guy because of the injury history. But if he checks out with you medically, then... Why not use a fourth round pick on him? Because that's first round film that he's got. Mm-hmm. The way that the the ground that he can cover, the instincts that he possesses, he just can't stay on the field. That's been the problem for him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've done this pod year round. We talked about him once, and that was week two when it was official that he was injured and out for the rest of the year. Yeah, yeah. So his stock has simmered a lot. I think a guy who could really come out as a big winner. And be interesting for the Broncos under the Shermer offense, Cam Akers from Florida State. Ooh, lots of buzz huh. on him. Intriguing. You know, he's one of these guys who was really good as an underclassman. Then FSU has been a disaster the last several years, uh, so no one's really paid attention. But he's he's a name to definitely keep an eye on. Who yeah. I think will be a big winner. Yep. Well, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Akers. We haven't really talked much about the running backs. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm intrigued to see what uh, J.K. Dobbins and Jonathan Taylor do I, if they yeah. run. Swift, too. Yeah. But what happens at the Combine isn't going to change my mind about them. Yeah. Agreed. Right. Right. It seems like running backs typically disappoint. Terrible. It seems like you go in there, uh, mm. especially after you see like what the receivers do, you see even Visca, I mean, you know, run four fours at worst. If if you were to see a running back put up that four five four six, you're like really, eh. yeah, and, and exactly. It's just, you know, but aren't you watching something like the gauntlet drill? Yeah, more yeah. than the straight line speed. You know, take Taylor for example. Wisconsin did a good job incorporating him more in the passing game, and if Jack Cohn gets the pass to him on the wheel route in the Rose Bowl down the left sideline, if that thing is on target, that's a touchdown. Wisconsin, I think, maybe wins that game. Yeah, if they score right there, right then and yeah. there. He was let down by the quarterback play at times when he was targeted in the passing game. But I think if he goes out there, nails the you know just nails the gauntlet drill, does everything right, shows that those what he showed on film with the hands is legit. A team can look at him and see, okay, this is not just someone who can rush for twelve hundred yards. This is somebody who can be like Saquon and can catch fifty balls for me. Right, hmm. and that's why like with, with some development between yeah. Dobbins and Taylor. I like Taylor Moore as a receiving back, having watched him last year, and that's why he's still my RB1 in this class. Okay. Because I think he does become a 50 to 60 catch a year guy if a team uses him that frequently. Okay. Um, So we talked a lot about running backs before we knew that Pat Shermer would be taking over um, as the new offensive coordinator. They're likely going to shift from running quite a bit to passing quite a bit, and we've kind of cooled off on the talk because it seems less important to get another running back for this running back's room. Now what window are we talking about? Are we talking about the third round drafting a running back, the sixth round drafting a running back? Where do you feel comfortable? 
I I think round three is where you start to consider it because you already have three picks. Yeah, round three or round four. Antonio Gibson, if we're em- emphasizing catching the ball, the converted mm-hmm. receiver who worked at running back at the Senior Bowl, mm-hmm. they're listing him as a receiver going into the combine. Yes. But I imagine uh, they're going to look they're they're going to look at him in both areas, and that's the sort of back when I'm thinking, okay, who can I plug into that room right now and bring something that doesn't exist? I think Gibson is a guy in the mid-rounds that tops that list at this point. I think Ashton Davis, the safety from Cal, could be another big winner coming out of the combine. Already getting some buzz. We were very disappointed he was injured at the coming into the senior bowl, so couldn't yeah. practice. But I think he's a guy who could squeeze into round one. Hmm. Talented. I like Akeem Davis-Gaither, who we saw down oh, at... Yeah. Uh, down like in Davion, he's yes. that kind of linebacker who could really blow it up. I agree completely. And I could see him dominating the dominating the linebacker drills. Yeah, down there. Yep. Of course, he's an edge rusher, but he'll work with the linebackers uh, in Indianapolis next week. Coming out of App State, a little bit off the radar, so he's got to kind of prove himself. But I thought he had a strong Senior Bowl week. Oh yeah. Another guy who got better as the week went on. I think he can solidify himself on day two. Yep. All right. Solid list there. Yeah. Okay, before we get into the questions, is there any any other thoughts you have about this combine that you want to get off your chest now? Are we good to go? I think Chasson and Queen from LSU will have big weeks. Definitely keep them in mind. Queen's a guy who low-key could be interesting in Denver. And my guy, Troy Pride Jr., cornerback Mm -hmm. out of Notre Dame, doubling down. I think he'll be another winner. Want to see what Austin Jackson does yes i think out of usc i think he's in the most to lose category he's got he really enough, has to blow it up he's also got to interview well see the, the, yeah. some of the stuff with him when we talk about interviews and medicals that's the stuff we kind of get out in bits and pieces and we don't see it in front of us but that ends up being at least as important as what's going to be there mm-hmm. on television uh those nights over the coming weekend so uh, jackson's someone that I, i'd keep my eye on just to kind of see what mm-hmm. bleeds out about him over the course of uh, over the combine week the other thing, some teams are actually really excited about the schedule change at the Combine because it's moving the interviews up in the day. Mm. Felt like oh, that's nice. interviews, when they happened in the evening, they got players when they were tired because yeah. they've been up doing medicals, they've been you know training, they've the workout is actually the last thing they do, but the the medical gauntlet. I mean, you some some of these guys are literally sitting down with twenty five different sets of doctors over the course yeah. of the day, and getting poked and prodded that often is ridiculous. And it can there's a mental fatigue that goes along with that, with having to kind of recollect your entire medical history going back to when you were ten years old. Hey, eh? mm-hmm. oh yeah, we heard you sprained your ankle playing basketball when you're in fifth grade. Believe it or not, that sort of stuff comes up. Yeah. Sometimes uh. the player doesn't even remember that. <laughs> I certainly wouldn't. Yeah. It's amazing how players will sometimes be like, wow, they know more about me than I know about myself. Mm-hmm. But pretty crazy. you go through all that, and then you do an interview at 9.45 p.m. at night, say, and you're exhausted. Now you're going to have those interviews in the afternoon. Yeah. A little bit more spry, a little bit more chipper. And perhaps I think there are guys who are going to do better at things like the whiteboard when they sit down with teams than they would have before in the previous schedule. So I think there's a little bit of excitement there for teams to be able to learn more about these guys earlier in the day and maybe get a better glimpse of a player emotionally and mentally from the interviews than they have in past years. All right. Um, 
I just want to take a second to shout out the four buffs that made it pretty yeah. crazy. Steven Montez, a quarterback. Davion yep. Taylor, LaVisca Chanel, we've been talking about. Tony Brown, the receiver. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Four plus Dante Olson from Montana, who I covered up there. I have a bunch of guys to watch finally. Like, it seems like I'm going through the combine not knowing what to look at. It's like, what could the Broncos be interested in? Now, obviously, doing this podcast, there's a lot I want to see, but there's those five guys too. Um, yeah, that local angle is definitely nice. Really excited to see all of them. Yeah, we've all got guys that we've been following just because of our connections to schools. I yeah. want to see uh, Mitchell Wilcox from out of uh, South Florida. He's the only bull who's going to be at this combine. Huh. When they got him the ball, he was very effective. When he was healthy, <laughs> he was very effective. He's another player talking about the medicals being a big thing for him. Tight end is not completely off the Broncos' radar as you get into day three. Mm-hmm. Wilcox is somebody who could, who kind of like Albert O at Mizzou, that was Wilcox's yep, uh, favorite about. target for a while there. Yeah. Those are guys that are in that round four, round five range who could be good compliments to Noah Fant, and I think the Broncos will be taking a look at guys like them. All right. Uh, if the uh, medicals don't check out, there may be a way to uh, treat what's going on with them. And a trip to uh, Mile High Green Cross okay. could uh, nice. help them out. <laughs> I'm doing my best. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if, if you sign up for the loyalty program at Mile High Green Cross, you can save 20% off your entire purchase once per month. It's conveniently located at 9th and Broadway, exactly one block from where I live. Well, look um, at that. Yeah, there's parking in the back. I don't need it. Um, <laughs> they offer hyper. You don't need to pay cash. Um, it's just a great deal. It go you go Sweet. in and out really fast. They're yeah. super knowledgeable. They've always been awesome. Yeah. So go check them out because they're awesome. Yeah. Great uh, like spot, I said, great selection. Yeah. Twenty mm-hmm. percent off your entire purchase if you sign up for their loyalty program. Can receive twenty percent off once per month. Good deal. The offer extends to current members. Beautiful. All right. We're um, not taking twenty percent off. No. Of this podcast. No, we're, we are we're not. Going. We're going. This is a this is a full one. Um, time now for questions, I think. Yeah, you guys blew it up. We love it. Of course, half our questions are from the big Tabowski, and I'm just going to get ahead of this. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, last pod, I was solo podding. Uh, our... Uh, DMVR Podcron, is that the, the yeah. handle on Twitter? Yes. He's amazing. Up Love in, it. Up he in was, Montana. He was saying how we need a draft pod intro. I couldn't agree more. He's going to help us find some good clips. Um, and un, unrelated to that, I was having trouble uploading the pod. This happens once in a while. So to change the file, I just added some intro music. Again, inspired by, <laughs> by Podcron. Now, half the comments are how we needed intro music. You know, I feel like... Uh, I feel like we've been dating for five years, and now all of a sudden you're telling me how beautiful I am when I put makeup on. I thought you loved me just for me, guys, yep. so I'm getting out ahead of it, and I'm telling you that. This I'm has been building for a while. That's hasn't right. It? I feel like you're sitting, first that's of all, you're right. sitting on the leather couch, which is appropriate. This feels like a therapy <laughs> session right now. Here, here. We're here for you. Here, here. Do I need my notepad out? Do I need to be writing all this down? I mean, I, I figured that's what you were doing with your laptop anyways, Maze. Uh, so, so just know... My feelings are hurt, and I wanted to get that out there. <laughs> what kind of what kind of music are we gonna go with? Are we going with the same music every time? Are we changing it up? I don't even know. Hopefully, we have it's the really rights. up to Podcron. Like, how yeah. are we? Uh, <laughs> he decides now. It's his podcast. I I just host it. All right. <laughs> well, we can talk about sports again. Uh, hey, Andre. This comes in from the Big Tabowski. Nice. I've been trying to compare Tyreek Hill and Henry Ruggs. Aside from the unsavory off-field child abuse, mm. which I am still in shock that Hill has gotten away with. 
Quick side note, how does Adrian Peterson whip his kid's legs with a switch and then get banned for the entire season when Tyreek Hill breaks his three-year-old's arm and gets absolutely no punishment from the NFL? Strange. Legal conviction. I mean, that's the that's all that is. big one. Yep. 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 Um, and then also, like, there's the conflicting reports about Tyreek Hill. Like, there's other people involved. And, like, you, it isn't just that it wasn't a conviction. It's that we don't know for sure that it was him. Um, smells like there was a cover-up involved with this. Let's just say that. It. I mean, it smells like something for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's not what this podcast is, though, comparing different child abuses. Uh, anyhow, when comparing <laughs> Hill and Ruggs, Jeez. I have to say I don't... <laughs> It's, Guys. <laughs> it's insane. I didn't bring oh, us there. I, know, I didn't bring I know, us there. I know. Anyhow, when comparing Hill and Ruggs, I have to say, I don't think Ruggs is as quick or elusive as Tyreek Hill. Ruggs is definitely fast, but I really don't think he is in Tyreek Hill's league for speed. Therefore, do you think 15 is quite a reach for Ruggs? I'm starting to come around to that way of thinking. Combine will be interesting, but I definitely think it's closer to 4-4 than 4-2. Hmm. There's more. Also, has anyone else noticed that Ruggs sort of runs with a limp? I can't really describe it. He sort of gallops as if he had one of those kids' hobby horses between his legs. LOL. He doesn't run that smoothly all the time. It's weird. Have a watch of some tape and see if you can see what I mean. Speed isn't everything, and Ruggs can run, or, or Ruggs can catch and run routes for sure. Conclusion? I'm not sure he is even a first-round talent now. Wow. Late first, perhaps. Lamb and Judy are much better prospects than both. And if we pick Ruggs at 15, I think it is a mistake. Ooh. Well, I, Judy's still my wide receiver one. And even if Ruggs runs like a 4-1-8, something ungodly at the combine, mm-hmm. I'm going to trust the film yep. and Judy having the better overall body of work. Yep. That doesn't change anything for me. But it will change something for another team. Well, Absolutely. Yeah. The lots to unpack here. The yes, he's not as fast as Tyreek Hill. I keep on feeling like Tyreek Hill, had he just wanted to stick to track and dedicated himself just to that, I think he would be one of the five fastest men in the world in the hundred or two hundred meters. Um, so I think there's no shame in not being as fast as Tyreek Hill. Again, I feel like there's maybe four people in the world that could legitimately say they're faster than Tyreek Hill. Now, he has better size. I think he's a much more refined route runner. His uh, his quickness in and out of breaks is otherworldly. Um, and the better comparison is I think he's Will Fuller without the injury concerns and better hands. And we saw last year with the Texans what just having Will Fuller on the field does for them, and that's absolutely worth a top 15 pick because it opens up the offense completely for guys like DeAndre Hopkins and Denver would be Sutton, and you know, even Noah Fant spaces would be op- would open up. So even when he's not catching the ball, he's already a factor. He does have a bit of that like Bo Jackson limp, um, but you know, just huh. like Bo, he's blazing fast. Um, so it's yeah, a different gait, but I wouldn't say he has a hitch. Yeah, if he's got a hitch, then that's a problem. Right, hitch right. or a limp, but it's an unusual gait that he has. But mm-hmm. at the same time, you don't want to kind of coach him out of it because it's, it's gotten him this far. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, if you can blaze a four two, you can blaze a four two. It doesn't matter how. Yeah, you you're do not it. You know, yep. concerned with the form. <laughs> yeah, truly. Yeah. So <laughs> as we said earlier in the pod, we we disagree on him being a late first rounder at best. We think he could easily be gone by pick twelve if he runs what we think he'll run. Yep. 
And, you know, he said he thinks it's closer to 4-4 than 4-2. What do you guys think of that? What's your expectation? Well, if it's uh, 4-3, then it's right in the middle. <laughs> right. I, think I think he ends up, uh, I mean, I, we can say maybe he gets up to 4-2-5. I'm going to make the safe pick and say he's right there around 4-2-9, 4-3. So that's pretty close to splitting the difference between yep. the two. I think I agree. If I was Vegas, I'd set the line at 4-3. And you you take the over-under. I'd probably take the under, but I boy, would have bet a ton under. of money on it. But if he's like 4-4, four, four, people are going to be disappointed. That's true. Those guys are 4-4. Four, four, you're like, great. <laughs> if he's 4-4, four, four, I think people are going to feel let down. Yeah, the pressure of expectations on these guys is really big going into the combine. That really kind of clouds all of this. Well, I think where this is going with the combine is in two or three years, they start having guys run at the same time and turn oh. this into a tournament. Oh, my God. Where you actually, there's prize money at the end of oh. it. I mean, I'm all for it. Man. Yeah. Remember, there was that thing this summer. They maybe should turn that did, into a sport. Was it like Chad Johnson who put it together? Yes. Just racing some current NFL players. Okay, before we move Call on, Fani Chad Muhammad Johnson or Chad Ochocinco? Oh, man. What yeah. was in that? Yeah. What is, does he go by Ochocinco? I, I don't know if he I ever changed he, it back. I, yeah, he legally changed his name. It just seems like at this point, he's of the age. I know his son is Chad Johnson Jr., but he may have never changed his name. And he's now... Can you blame him? <laughs> Ocho Cinco <laughs> yeah. Jr.? Like, Dad, Dad, no. Hey, Chad Jr., come with me. Dad, where are we going? We're changing our names to Ocho Cinco. Like, <laughs> I think even at yeah. age like six, you know not well, to do Well, there's a mother that. involved with this, and I'm not sure that she was going along with... <laughs> you don't think... Per- no, son, you're not going to be named Ocho Cinco. Is she then Mrs. Ocho Cinco or Miss Johnson because he changed Mrs. Johnson? I don't know. It's all confusing. Point I, I, is, there was already a tournament. Yes. Do you know what happened? I, I was really excited when they announced it. There har- hardly anybody showed up. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I saw yeah. the ticket sale. I checked the uh, ticket sales the night before like, to see what seats were vacant. I'm like, oh, my gosh. They're all vacant. <laughs> <laughs> like, the night before, it looked like they'd sold 100 seats uh, for this thing. The field is open. Yeah. Because... Ocho Cinco raced a horse at one point yeah, too. Yeah, the, the the next the next level of the combine and the scouts and old school football people are going to hate this is turning something like the forty into a legit competition mm. where say like you've got two guys running at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, where it's it's I a race. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Could I see that happening? Absolutely. Because the NFL wants to own the calendar. They've got this on NFL Network, but what if they realize, oh my goodness, if we turn this thing into a competition, we could be on like ABC or yeah. CBS or NBC in prime time on a Thursday night with prospects just running and that people would watch. Yeah. People are going to watch. That's the thing. People watch this stuff. And, they're, and I guarantee you that they're going to get record ratings for these workouts because they're going on in prime time. Yeah. Guaranteed. Totally. Oh, Mace, we're so lucky to have you. You should be in the NFL office right now. It's uh, it's pretty stupid. You're on a podcast with these two idiots. <laughs> well, we can all stop it. Well, Zach Stevens and I had a robust discussion today about um, the 17-game schedule and what you need to do to get it right and how I'm, com- I'm very much bothered by the notion of some teams having nine home games. Yeah. Look, right. if you're yeah, Jacksonville right. and you're voluntarily giving up home games – that's your problem. That's a you thing. But I would use this as an opportunity to allow the NFL to continue pushing in international markets. Yeah. Say, 
Okay? Everybody is playing a neutral site game. Mm -hmm. There'll be a bunch in London. There'll probably be a couple in Canada, a couple in Mexico City. I would also throw in some domestic neutral site games as well. Yes, that's a great idea. I would make the Hall of Fame game Mm. a regular season game in Canton. Love that idea. And move Hall of Fame weekend to like week three. So you play the game on a Thursday night, you do the Hall of Fame inductions on a Friday night. I or love Saturday that. Night, wow. Or Saturday or something. Yeah. Like, you, you play one yeah. game at, like, the big house. I was actually rotate. saying, we put you, you dangle this to Honolulu because Hawaii needs a new stadium. Yep. One game a year in Hawaii. Yep. Not bad. So, basically, I kind of was thinking, okay, there'd be 16 games. London gets a full eight-game schedule. I like it. Okay. That means you have eight left. You have eight, and then you have a game in Canton, a game in Honolulu. A game in Frankfurt, get Germany back involved. Yeah. Got to go Mexico City, right? Big two time. games in Mexico. I'd say two games in Mexico, and uh, get some games up in Canada. Yeah. Now there would be an advantage for teams that were playing in Canada or Canton, not having to do a transatlantic flight. <laughs> Fair you point. You just kind of work those <laughs> things out from year to year. But I think there's an opportunity here for the NFL to have its cake and eat it too, and not get into the realm of saying, "Oh, well, some teams are going to have nine home games." I hate I yep. hate that with the fire of a thousand suns. Yep, but I'm me trying too. I'm trying to solve problems, offer solutions here. Yeah, I, I I really do hate that too. And you know, covering Pac-12 basketball now, the it's an 18 game schedule. Obviously, 12 teams in the conference. That means there's one road trip that you make that there's no like reciprocation for. There's no home trip. So this year, like the Buffs play at Arizona, at Arizona State. They don't play those teams at home. Mm-hmm. They host Washington, Washington State. They don't play those on the road. And this year, you don't want to have to go to Arizona. You you want to be able to go to Washington. With the Buffs in the title race, if the schedule was different, they'd be in much better shape. Yeah. The problem is the size of the conference. If your conference prevents you in basketball from having the double round robin, it's too big. Um, so basically, every conference with more than 10 teams, kick them realign, out. Realign, kick some teams out, and start over. Do it. Yep. Just make Mays the commissioner of this, all sports. This I bothers think. me. Yeah. Hey, there would be enough leftovers, and hey, maybe the result of all this is that CU is back where it belongs with Nebraska and Kansas. And Please make that happen. Mizzou. Oh, I'd love the that. rivalries that had existed since time oh. immemorial and that have been sadly lost. How yep. I miss the old Big Eight. Yeah, oh, it'll come back. Next five years, I bet. Yeah, knock on wood. <laughs> uh, no. Oh, talking about this furniture. Those shelves that we're keeping the shirts on, uh-huh. those are the. I bought that exact shelf. Like the, they call it the black brown at IKEA, and assembled nice. it like three days ago. And I'm having like a shock. I have the same thing in my room right now. I have these in what? my office at home. No way. They're unbelievable. They're so good. Sixty nine ninety nine. Yeah, and they they matched my desk and everything else perfectly. <laughs> Lindsay, hook us up with these IKEA. Are amazing. <laughs> Get Sweden on the phone. Let's the go. Get Sweden on the phone. The first time I walked into this office, I felt at home because you guys had these shelves. I've just been sitting. I'll you're staring at them like there's no way there's I'll no way those me. are the exact shelves oh yeah 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 recognize not, not revelatory no. uh, <laughs> sports though um bronco in sf likely san francisco says after lamb jj visca and rugs how would you rank the wide receiver class kj hamler looks uncoverable to me bold prediction rager isn't as fast as people think and will be closer to 4-4 and 4-3 at the combine Ooh. Again, though, like, are are we nitpicking four fours? 
Like, yeah. guys, the difference between a 4-3 and a 4-4, four, four, like, blink and it's gone. About like, a, yeah, about, yeah a, like, about a tenth of a second. Look, it's, it's nothing, guys. Yeah, it's if, nothing. If, if Jalen Rager is a 4-3, 40 guy, are we not talking about him as a first rounder anyway? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. So, um, Hamler's up there. Uh, You've cooled on him. I, I've cooled on him I, I because you need to – there's more risk when it's a prospect where I – Depending on what coaching staff selects him, it's really going to come down to how they use him. If they use him the right way, he could be the next Percy Harvin. If they use him the wrong way, he could fizzle out and never come to come to amount to anything. His contested ball skills are also concerning to me because he's smaller. Mm-hmm. And it's such a packed wide receiver class. I have a bunch of guys ranked ahead of him. Obviously, the Alabama and CeeDee Lamb kids. Um, Visca, Higgins, Mims, Jefferson, Rhaegar, Pittman. Ayuk and Hamler are right there, neck and neck. They're so, sure first-rounders in other years. Oh, yeah. Just not this year. Right. I mean, Tavon Austin was the first wide receiver and taken in the top 15. I would take Hamler over Tavon Austin, and I was high on Austin. I, right. I, I, he was great at West Virginia, but I would still take Hamler over him because it's more, it's less gimmicky and it's more of a vertical threat. Yeah. Um, Count Locula says, first off, the song is long overdue, and it really puts a nice frame on the pod. More importantly, well, thank you, Count. Good job, Dre. <laughs> um, more importantly, I'm so curious about the draft day inner workings. How many of the possible trade situations in the first round will the Broncos have already discussed with the other teams, or does that all happen in the allotted time between picks? And how much back and forth might there be on an on-the-fly trade negotiation? Love, the Count. Those discussions, frankly, they start... Next week. Mm-hmm. And mm. are ongoing, right? Yeah. And they'll pick up when the GMs gather at the league meetings in Palm Beach next month. Yeah. The Broncos have had more than a few deals draft-wise that started with discussions either in Indianapolis or at the league meetings. Hmm. Do you think there's... A- 20% of trades that happened that were never discussed prior and really are just cooked up then and there. Yeah, as you get into the later rounds, yes, because you may right. say, okay, hey, right. hey, we had uh, you know this guy we like, he's available, we want to make sure we pounce and get him. So that sort of stuff on the fly. But when you're talking about, say, picks of first and even, to some, even second round choices, mm-hmm. typically there's been some groundwork right. laid over the previous months. Yeah. And there are some, and look, some teams are going to work with others more often. Like for the example, the Broncos and 49ers are two teams that like to work together. John Elway and John Lynch, both Stanford guys, both Broncos ring of famers. They're close. They'll make deals. Yeah, they're they work very symbiotically together. I don't think, for example, you would see a deal between the Broncos and Jets. Huh. Especially if Adam Gase gets involved. Mm-hmm. And if Adam Gase gets involved in a deal, you may want to rethink that because he doesn't want to do the Broncos any favors whatsoever. And you know, the Patriots are interesting because people always say, you know, the Patriots will make a trade that they think might put them in a little bit worse shape. They might not be getting as much return as they deserve because they feel that teams will reciprocate that later on. Have you, have you heard that reputation? That's something I thought was interesting when I heard it. It's fascinating. I haven't heard that specifically. One thing with the Patriots, I think you look at the Jimmy Garoppolo deal, that was clearly one where they probably mm-hmm. could have gotten more elsewhere. Yep. But Belichick wanted to help Garoppolo. 
had a relationship with Kyle Shanahan. Of course, Kyle Shanahan reached out to Bill Belichick after he got the forty nine after he got the the forty uh, nine er job to kind of, and also kind of go over the Super Bowl and the blown lead and kind of pick his brain a little bit. So Belichick is certainly fond of Kyle Shanahan. Belichick was fond of uh, or is fond of Mike Shanahan too. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of respect there. Yeah. So no surprise that they made uh, that that deal work. But the Patriots, if you're not getting a deal like that, sometimes you have to quite, you wonder, okay, what are they looking for here? The Broncos made a deal with the Patriots back in the 2012 draft. It was part of a series of trade downs that they had that was eventually it? got them some more picks. They ended up picking Derek Wolf with the first, second round pick. Yeah. But New England had a guy they targeted. It was Dante Hightower. Yep. Hmm. That worked out pretty well for them. It did. Yeah, no kidding. And the Patriots are known for really valuing day two picks. That's uh, like most people who analyze the draft. That's the sweet spot. And they would rather have four cracks at trying to get a day two pick who they think can turn into a starter than one higher and pick. And they the are always third. interested in asset accumulation. Mm-hmm. Bill mm-hmm. Belichick is a lot like Jimmy Johnson was back in back in the 1990s in this regard. Yep. So, for example, if there's a player that a team wants right now, the Patriots will happily take a future pick that could be higher. I remember, and this is one of the, it turned out to be one of the terrible trades that Marty Herney made uh, during his first in as Panthers GM. He traded a future second round pick in 2011 for a third rounder in 2010 so he could pick Armonte Edwards, the quarterback turned wide receiver out of Appalachian State. Yikes. And I hated it. Marty Herney did those trades way too often. Trade a future in 09, trade a future one for a two that year, take Everett Brown. Then the next year, he trades a future two for a three and takes Armonte Edwards. What the hell are you doing, man? <laughs> yeah, maybe the worst pick in Broncos history, the, Al- Alfonso Smith. Right, exactly. But the Patriots, they're Yikes. Yikes. even if they've got a guy they like, if you can give them more in draft assets than they have right then and there with the pick, they'll take the deal. The Patriots will just say, we'll go on to the next guy. They're very comfortable with saying, okay, we couldn't get that guy. Let's go to the next one on our list. The one thing they now they have a, a limited draft board. It was one thing that kind of came out with Josh McDaniels was that they had a smaller draft board in terms of the number of names on it than most teams. But the Patriots, it's a smaller draft board, but they're very comfortable saying, "Okay, fine, we can't get that guy. We go to the next player on our list and we move on." Huh? Without even having a lot of discussion about it. Um, also, Count Lockyer was in there. He asked how much negotiation there is on like the on-the-fly negotiations. Do you have any insight there? Oh, it depends how much time you have. Sometimes it might be like, okay, uh, you you know, you've got a fourth. Well, we want to give you a fifth. Maybe you go back and forth. You try to figure out something. Everyone, you know, we have the draft value charts that are out there. These aren't hard and fast, right? But they're they're decent guidelines. Every team has an idea how they value. The picks and nobody wants to get hosed. And the other thing is, t- like with teams that are dealing with whether the Patriots or anybody, you just want a fair deal in terms of value. Yep. Yeah. The pa- the Patriots are the interesting team, though, in that even if they have a guy they really like, if you offer them more than than the value of that pick, they'll take the deal and pick later or take that pick and stow it away for next year. That's why most years the Patriots always seem to come into the draft with with 
10, 11, 12 picks. Right. They're accumulating it's capital. A, accumulating yeah. assets. That, that is their MO. All right. Uh, moving on to Samuel Bisu. Uh, hey, Andre. Great solo pod. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. With Shelby all but gone, do you think Draymond will take a step forward? I like very much what I saw from him last year. I wanted to know your opinion on his future and what do you see on tape? Can he be a Malik Jackson type or who is his comp? Keep up the great work. I uh, I was as high on Draymond coming into that draft as just about anyone. I thought he, how he picked it up once Nick Bosa went out for the Buckeyes, really created a bunch of interior penetration, was, uh, was impressive. Obviously a much more higher pedigree, coming into his NFL career than Malik Jackson did. Uh, you're talking about a, a high third rounder rather than Malik was a fifth rounder, if I'm remembering mm. that correctly. Malik was raw. Raw. That's and what jumped sturdier. out to me. Right. Sturdier. I mean, he was, you know, he was, he was built like he was made out of yep. bricks and iron. That's right. But he was a raw player fundamentally, mm-hmm. and that's why we have a lot of fond memories of Malik Jackson. But the it's Malik Jackson year. that sticks in our head... We didn't start seeing until the second half of 2014. Coming two and a half years in, right, 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 yeah. And he, then he blew up in the playoff run. I mean, really blew up. One of my favorite. That stretch is one of my favorite uh, stretches of any Broncos ever, probably. Uh, but no, so Draymond is different in that he's more polished, more of a pass rusher at this point in his career, but needs to get up to Malik's standards of being that really stout run defender because you know in that run to Super Bowl 50 the Broncos were able to use so many four-man fronts where Wolf and Malik almost alone manned the middle of the defense and shut down the run but he had some disruptive potential against the run uh, at Ohio State I mean yeah. we're yeah, not yeah, talking sure. about somebody who is a who is a complete disaster against right. the run he has that ability right not the Marcus yeah. Walker who was getting like pushed ten yards downfield I'm, every other play. I'm confident that Draymond Jones can be an above average starter. Oh yeah, for the Broncos. Oh, obviously yeah. his strength is in the pass rush, but I think he will not be a liability against the run if he's an every down option there at defensive end. I'm comfortable going in. Mm-hmm. Big time. All right. Uh, Bobby Lang says, Tyler Johnson is one of my favorite wide receivers in the draft. He's polished, dynamic in space, and has a smoothness in and out of his breaks with quick feet. He isn't the burner, but would be a great compliment to Sutton that the Broncos could nab on day two. Uh-huh. He is a team captain and exhausted eligibility like the other characteristics the Broncos have targeted in recent years. What was your analysis of his game, and how do you see him in the new offense? I don't understand why he is not higher on the radar. Some don't even have him in their top 100. I know he isn't a number one, but could be an outstanding two or three. Love the work you put in. Can't wait to see your big board. I think he's Deshaun Hamilton, who's a little bit with a little more dynamic element to him. A little more very, physicality. Right. I like his ability to track the ball better. Yeah. And he's a very good route runner. Deshaun was as well. I think they're equal there. But he's got the edges in those areas, like you I, mentioned. His body positioning is really impressive. Why you're not seeing him higher? Well, this wide receiver class is loaded. And he doesn't have the speed. He doesn't have the size to be that elite, uh, bully, number two possession wide receiver. And I don't think he's quick enough to be a number three. So, you know, finding the the right fit is interesting, too. But, yeah, I agree. I think he'd be an upgrade over over Hamilton. Gun to your head, would you take K.J. Hill or Tyler Johnson? Who would you take first? I'm taking Hill, but if Hill is off the board, he's my next guy, and I'm comfortable with Tyler Johnson and... 
happy and moving on. Yeah, I like him. He was really impressive at Minnesota. But I agree. Hill has more of a natural fit, though, right? So that's where you can pencil him in a little more comfortably, I think. He's easily the best Minnesota receiver I've seen in terms of guys I like since, since Eric Decker. Yep. Eric I Decker. love Decker coming out. Yeah, Decker was outstanding. Okay. Um, one more comment. Well, sort of. Bobby Lank says, doubling up here. Dre, is Davion Taylor a linebacker fit on day three for the Fangio D? I admit I love the day three fits in the last pod. Could Taylor be a diamond in the rough or a high-risk boomer bust candidate? Also, the big Tabowski replied and said, I think Davion Taylor should definitely be a target on day three, unless we've gone Simmons, Queen, Die, or Davis Gaither in earlier rounds. Yeah, and we talked about Davion a little. He's an interesting case because really most of his appeal is based on that athletic upside. Uh, he's been a bit of a man without a country for three years now. Mm-hmm. Um, was more of a pure edge rusher than yeah. Mel comes Remember in. That? Yeah, I know. That's so weird to Crazy. think about. Comes in, he's what, that money linebacker? Then he's at the Senior Bowl playing a little more like a true inside and learning to make like calls at the line and stuff. Um, when to me, he's really more that hybrid safety. At worst, he's a weak side backer. So it'd be mm-hmm. interesting to see him in that fit. I don't think he's the most instinctual guy. He's definitely not the most physical. But there's a lot to like with that raw upside, and he definitely fits, on paper at least, that Fangio D. The nice thing about Taylor is... Any team drafting him on day three, he's going to be a quality special teams contributor with the skills he has for a couple years. You can't, won't have wasted a rookie contract. Can't really add anything to that. Yeah. Very well put, Dre. Well, thank <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. I would add that I think that he could be a very good third down specialist, mm-hmm. and that that's probably the path that I would take for him if I were trying to develop him. My first thought is let's get him up to speed, see if by midway through the first season you can put him at linebacker on third downs, and then start building some other linebacker skills so that you could make him more well-rounded and valuable on your roster. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I think it'd be a lot of fun to see what he could do, and there's definitely some upside there. Big time. Okay. I think that that does it for today. By Excellent. the time we do this again, the combine will have started. Mace won't be here. It's going to be weird. I'll still be yeah, in, in Indianapolis. You guys are going to do this next Thursday, right? Probably. Yeah. So it'll be right before the workouts start. Or maybe do you guys want to wait until after the quarterbacks, receivers, and running backs do their work Thursday night and then record, say, early Friday morning? I think that's the Mm. play here. I think think that's that's got to be the move. I think it has to be. Yeah. Yep. Well, I appreciate you making the time, Hank. I know it's been Thanks. quite the whirlwind w- yeah. week for you. <laughs> yeah, and I can't believe my phone didn't ring in the <laughs> yeah, no hour kidding. and a half we've been recording and this. And it's always a pleasure, I mean, truly. Likewise, uh, good enjoy to be Indy. with you guys. Uh, I will enjoy Indy. It's, gosh, I've spent months of my life in downtown Indianapolis over the years. That was always the goal, right? That's why you got into this? Yes, <laughs> to spend uh, entire uh, months uh, in, in eating at... Uh, Various establishments in downtown Indy, uh, uh, eating my eating my weight in shrimp cocktail. Mm. Not bad at all. Although there's a good point that it, uh, that is sometimes made, and uh, I think Ryan Konigsberg has made this: when you're steakhouse and you're known for the shrimp cocktail, that's interesting, especially in Indianapolis. Right. Really, it's not, not, it's not what you that. think. I mean, you think of like Shanahan's and Del Frisco's. You think of the steak, right? Exactly. With St. Elmo's, you think of the shrimp? You do. Hmm. <laughs> saucy. So saucy. <laughs> Did you ever read, who, who wrote that story last year? 
about the combine. It was an ESPN story. Mm-hmm. Um, what's his name? I'm blanking. I can see him. He actually skyped into one of my classes when I was Seth Wickersham. No, no, but that's like in that same vein. Yeah, uh, big profile writer. Oh, how, how am I blanking on this? Um, he's the guy you love. Yeah, no, I love him, but From I have Mississippi. Yeah, guy, he's right? from Mississippi. Yes, oh, I've boy, told you all. Wright Thompson. Yes, Wright Thompson. There, there we go. go. There we go. Did you read that story about the yes. combine? How how accurate is that? Frighteningly accurate. That's what I figured. It's the, Wright Thompson. Here's the problem with the combine. It's not a problem. I guess it's only a problem if you think of it. So, but the older you get, you realize that you don't so much cover the combine as you survive it. Huh. And. This year, with the media stuff being so early in the morning, starting at 8 a.m., I've been wondering to myself, what kind of daily schedule am I going to have here? What's going to work? Like, where will you be at 2 a.m.? Yes. I mean, I don't I don't know that I can be sitting at the bar at 1 a.m., that exchanging uh, notes with other writers and uh, ending up in some among some cl- cluster of coaches. I think you have to try, though, right? I probably will try. Um, maybe the key for me is going to be afternoon naps. Okay, there you go. Mm. Now you can. That, Nap okay. through the workouts. We can watch the workouts for you. I've got to go ahead and say, <laughs> all right, I'm going to be getting the quotes, everything I need interview-wise in the morning, getting an interview transcribed. I'm sure we'll record a podcast at some point. On Tuesday is going to be interesting because that's when John Elway and Vic Fangio are scheduled to talk. Mm-hmm. So that day is going to be mm-hmm. jammed. And then just saying, okay, like Wednesday, for example. Tuesday's going to probably be a very late night. <laughs> uh, Wednesday, go talk to the offensive linemen and tight ends because that's essential. Obviously, mm-hmm. huge O-line in particular, huge, huge area of need for the Broncos. And then uh, maybe before I get to writing a story, I just got to crash, crash on the bed for a couple hours. Take yeah. a nap from like 2 to 4 p.m., and then be ready and raring to go because otherwise I'm not going to make it. Which prospect are you most excited to talk to? Okay. Those who listen to our podcast regularly, prepare to drink. Tyler Biotish, center from Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. RK and Zach are trying to get me to ask a question of him in my Beavis voice. <laughs> Are you gonna oh, do it? Yeah, yeah, man. Hey, Tyler. Yeah, yeah. Well, what teams have you talked with here? Yet? <laughs> he says, "Well, I've talked with uh, all the teams." Yeah, cool. Come. <laughs> oh, outstanding! I think oh I think uh, we're trying to get you to do that on this podcast now too. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Maybe I should do the intro for the podcast in my Beavis voice. Yeah, there you go. I think you should do most things in your Beavis the voice. People I can't. I, I have a perpetually sore throat. It's a fun voice to do, but it is very taxing on the vocal cords. It's a tough one. Huh. Yeah, I, I think it's worth it. it. It's very good for all of our ears. <laughs> My oh. bunghole, it goes... <laughs> <laughs> okay, and on that note, I think we're going we're gonna to stop this show now. If you guys have any questions or comments, send them in. We'll get back to you all on Friday. Appreciate you all for listening. Bye. Sit J on the moon.